Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. In 2016, the public learned that Millennium Tower, a 60-story luxury condo high-rise in downtown San Francisco, was tilting to the northwest by 16 inches. The tower sinking at a rate of about half an inch per year as the material it was built on settles, causing the lean to increase. Fast forward five years, and the lean is now over two feet. Simpson, Gumperts, and Hager, the firm hired to fix the Leaning Tower, has said the building remains safe and will remain so even if the lean increases substantially more. The building does continue to settle at a rate of about one-half inch per year and to tilt at a rate of about three inches per year. Uh, It is doing this whether we are conducting work at the site or not. The building remains safe. But although the building remains safe, we believe the project needs to resume construction and complete this construction quickly to stop further settlement and tilting and to allow some recovery of the tilt as was originally planned. Thing that I believe that the building remains safe uh, and in fact can tilt more without becoming a safety issue or a serviceability issue. That was a recording of Ron Hamburger of Simpson, Gumperts, and Hager speaking during the January 6th meeting of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors Government Audit and Oversight Committee. The engineering firm's plan to stabilize the building requires driving piles under the north and west sides of the building down a couple hundred feet to the bedrock of San Francisco. And they recently submitted a revised plan to city officials after their previous efforts may have exacerbated the tilt. To dive into the latest developments on this Millennium Tower saga, which I feel like we've been talking about for so long in the Bay Area, we're joined by Jackson Van uh, Derbiken, a public safety and investigative reporter with NBC Bay Area. Welcome, Jackson. Good morning. So I want to lay out the history here. So for people who have not been following this, have only kind of casually been following the saga of the Millennium Tower, what are the main things that sort of happened to get us to this point? Like if we go back to the decisions around the construction first. Well, I don't know how much time we have. Uh, <laughs> basically what happened was is that they decided 
early on that they weren't going to build to bedrock, that they were going to build on uh, what are considered comparatively thin piles and a 10 foot thick mat on top. So it's kind of like, think of it as like kind of like an oil platform that doesn't go all the way down to the ocean floor kind of like thing, because the ground is not, you know, hard and solid. So you've got basically a mat kind of on the surface, then you've got these comparatively thin piles that don't go all the way down. So what happened was as they started to construct it, it started to sink and then it started to tilt. And it's been going uh, until uh, they started the fix. It had, you know, highs and lows. It was sinking almost at a pretty predictable rate every year. Then when they started uh, the fix, things started to uh, go a little haywire. It started to accelerate. So basically, they uh, recently acknowledged that they didn't do or make any special instructions to prevent the tilting and sinking from getting worse because essentially they didn't believe that that was necessary. Now, is it possible that as this process runs, as they drive these other new piles to reinforce the building, that when the process is complete, that tilting, that accelerated tilting would in fact stop and you'd be able to, the building would be fine at that point. Like it's just a a question of this moment in time as opposed to a permanent condition of the building continuing to tilt. Right. The The idea behind the fix is that they will stop it from sinking and tilting at some point. But the problem is, is that, as you pointed out, at the time they started this fix, the building was tilting uh, approximately 16 inches, and now it's tilting approximately 26 inches. So you've gained 10 inches of tilt just in the few months that they have been doing this fix. Now, the hope, and Ron Hamburger has stated that he believes that they'll be able to stop the tilting and sinking uh, before uh, life safety and other functioning systems in the building are imperiled. That's about 40 inches of tilt by his estimation. So even if they make things worse, which he predicts that they will essentially, they'll be able to stop it before the problem becomes uh, un, uh, you know, resolvable. Right. Too bad. They're going to yeah. get there. They'll be able to stop it before it's, quote, too late, unquote. Yeah. We're talking about the latest developments in the Millennium Tower saga with Jackson Van Derbiken, uh, public safety and investigative reporter with NBC Bay Area, who's got uh, big new pieces coming out on the Millennium Tower. has been covering this for a long time. Big chunk of your career, it seems like. Um, also wanted to note that the Millennium Tower Homeowners Association declined to join our show um, as did the uh, lead engineer, Ron Hamburger of Simpson, uh, Gumperts, and Hager, who we heard uh, at the top of the show. We'd love your questions about the repairs being done on Millennium Tower. Perhaps you're even a condo owner or someone renting a condo in Millennium Tower. And what are your thoughts on how to move forward? Uh, you can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook, we're KQED Forum. The email address, of course, is forum at kqed.org. Uh, question for you, Jackson, from listener uh, Joan Etlinger. She writes, at the time this building was constructed, did the building code allow such construction? And could the Department of Building and Inspections, that's DBI, I think, have done more to make sure this building stood straight? Did DBI look the other way? 
That's a very complicated question. The basic answer is there isn't anything in the building code that prevented them from building it this way. However, there was another building very similar to this one that DBI had basically stopped in its tracks after experts predicted that it would sink and tilt. They stopped that building, but for whatever reason, this building was not stopped. Now, this is quite some time ago, but at the time, the other building that was uh, uh, ended up being scuttled was much more precariously placed for a nearby transit center. The transit center people objected, and the city basically interceded and stopped that building from going forward. But when it came to the Millennium Tower, there was no intervention. The building went, went forward as a plan, despite it having a virtually identical foundation. So there's a lot of back story here. Yeah. You know, uh, Russell, a listener, Russell writes on Facebook, and I think this is going to get into one of these kind of crucial issues about that transit center. Russell writes, my nephew managed operations of the new transit center next door. Millennium tried to blame transit center construction for the tilt, but they can take the credit themselves, in my honest opinion, for not sinking piles to bedrock. It seems like in this case, there's actually kind of both things going on, right? Like that in this subsurface level, there these buildings have interacted with each other in ways that have been bad for the Millennium Tower. Right. And it's it was a long running battle, actually, well before this became public. You know, which came first, the bad design of the building or the trans bays uh, influence on alleged bad design of the building. So what happened was this. They built this building and then trans bay knew it would have to construct. So this building was prone to sinking and tilting, whether they recognized it or not. But by the time Transbay knew it had to start to construct, it knew it was going to be potentially on the hook for making this problem worse because, after all, they're right next door. So they entered into an agreement and they ended up having to uh, make some assurances that ended up costing uh, taxpayers at least $30 million for the role that Transbay paid in making the building worse. But it had already started sinking and tilting well before Transbay began construction in approximately 2010. Got it. So there is uh, a new kind of revised plan of this, you know, driving piles to bedrock plan from the engineering firm. How is it different from the original plan to, to do this? Well, one could argue it's sort of the plan. It's the light version of the plan. The original plan was going to have 52 piles uh, they're not physically driven to bedrock. They're drilled down. It's kind of a complicated process. But the bottom line was that there was originally going to be 52. Then uh, Ron Hamburger proposed uh, cutting it to 42. And his current proposal is to use 18 piles situated in holes that they had already created in some cases for the 52 uh, piles. So uh, that's the current. He says that they can do roughly the same or even better than they were planning to do with 52 with 18, which sort of begs the question of why didn't he originally propose 18? And he really doesn't have an answer for that, except he, he said that he made no specific engineering calculations to justify the 52. He just opted at that number based on the spacing and the array of the building. So now he says that he can turn out to actually get away with uh, doing 18 piles. And in some cases, he'll get better performance out of those 18 piles. Naturally, some people are skeptical about that. Is it the case that the engineering firm uh, and and everyone else associated with this project 
is also learning more about the nature of that site. I mean, one of the things that, that really stru- has struck me following the saga of the Millennium Tower through time, not just this latest iteration, is that you know, these the, the subsurface of San Francisco is quite complicated and strange, and the properties of it may not be known as precisely as we might want them to be. Right. And I think that that's been a learning curve that unfortunately, uh, you know, the people that want to fix this building have learned uh, all too well now. Um, Ironically, when they first constructed uh, the early piles on the tower before they had built the building, uh, experts had reviewed some of the findings and found that there was a wide variation of the quality and the, uh, you know, essentially the sturdiness of the soil underneath the building, the various layers there was a lot of unpredictability there. And uh, so ever since that has happened, you know, uh, it's gotten to the point where, you know, on the job uh, learning uh, uh, trial and error, uh, apparently is what critics call it, has proven to that the soil is far less, uh, you know, able to handle this load than even originally thought at this rate, because this is a heavy concrete building and it's much heavier than uh, any building of its kind in San Francisco. And it's also on a, you know, a, a foundation that doesn't go to bedrock. So it's not a good combination. Uh, Amy, a listener writes, uh, is it perceptible to residents living there, this tilt? Like uh, she says, i.e. would a ball roll across a table? Yes, actually, that's it's not a ball. But what happened was there's been golf balls, there have been marbles that, you know, uh, that we've uh, uh, made uh, video uh, that have gone on the Internet, have gone viral of people doing that. And the ball tends to start or the the marbles or whatever tends to start on the southeast side of the building and it rolls down to the northwest side of the building. And one thing, it may not be necessarily perceptible, but as uh, Ron Hamburger himself has said, is that if it continues um, unabated, there's a point where it will interfere with life safety systems like the elevators and uh, also, you know, the plumbing, which is because that requires a certain level of slope. And as on the northwest side of the building, that slope is starting to be hindered. And that means that there there could be problems there. Yeah. Um, question, where's the money coming from to do all of this retrofit, which is clearly, you know, an enormous enterprise? Well, we know that about a third of it is coming from the Transbay project. Um, and partly we know because of the nature of the settlement associated with all the litigation is confidential. But we do know that they needed the Transbay money because they made court filings saying, hey, we can't go forward with this fix unless we get this $30 million out of trans base hide so to speak and so we know that that's where at least a big chunk of the money is is taxpayer money yeah um lee writes on instagram at what point does the building become so unsafe it gets torn down or you know i guess red tagged is the um is the term of art yeah well there's a there's two I, i i would argue that there you say what point there is I mean, it just depends in the context of like there's red tag because the systems can't function. The key system is the elevator. If they can't get the elevator to work, the building can't be safely operated. Mm -hmm. So that would be the main function. And the point of red tagging that could come with about 40 inches of tilt, which would be not quite twice what they currently have. So they do have about 
you know, a few inches to go before that becomes a critical issue. Um, the issue Which would be like several years at the current pace, right? So it'd be, you know, let's call it five years or something like that. Well, if it were five years at the current rate of three inches of tilt, that would be 15 and you'd be at the 40. Yes. But the obvious hope is that by September, they will stop the tilting. The question is how much tilting can happen between now and then. Uh huh. Got it. You know, we are getting a bunch of comments. I mean, I'll just I'll just run down them. They all basically say the same thing. I have a better idea. Demolish the current building and build a new one. Uh, Alicia writes on Facebook, only solution is to take it down. Artoa writes on Facebook, because of money, you won't take it down. Demolish this building already. No point in having a San Francisco leaning tower that crumbles. I mean, is anyone saying in any of the people involved in this, you know, outside geotechnical engineers, uh, people um, at the engineering firm that's working on the fix, people within the city, the, the you know, a- expert engineers who've been who work with the city to sort of evaluate plans like this. Is anyone saying like this building's going to fall over? I don't think so. I mean, uh, what I do know is that their arranges of fixing have not been because they fear the building will fail in an earthquake. Although there's some legitimate questions about that. Some people have raised apart from that. I don't think that anybody thinks the building is going to fall down on its own. Uh, I can say that over the years, you know, they've, there's definitely been some early assessments to say the building may not perform as well in an earthquake as it should because of the sinking and tilting. But and Ron Hamburger had predicted that the building could literally tilt six and a half feet and still survive an earthquake. Now, hmm. may or may not be a comfortable place to be before or after that quake. I don't know. But that's what he has publicly said. Um, but that's different than the 40 inches of life safety mechanism tilt that they say is kind of a threshold where they need to address it. So fundamentally, I don't think anybody thinks this building is going to fall down. I would note that one of the many potential solutions besides propping up the building either underneath or from the side is to cut off some of the top stories, which would limit the weight and improve the quake performance. But I don't think that's any I don't think that's in the cards right now. Because those are essentially the most expensive real estate, at least when they were sold, some of the most expensive real estate in downtown. That's right. And they're the penthouse upper floors. Uh, Entire floors are owned by single uh, tenants or or owners. So that's a pretty big, uh, you know, loss of economic value for uh, the project building. So, Jackson, you've been following this, like I mentioned. I mean, how long has it been now? Well, since 2016, when the story first yeah, broke, yeah. Uh, you know, we've been following it since then. And it had been known, it had been whispered for about two years before within the building. A lot of people tried to find out stuff. What and was going on? Current, you know, but it had not been publicly acknowledged until 2016. So what do you think is going to happen? Like just with, with all the time you spent on this and all the meetings you've watched and reports you've read, how do you think, you know, five, five or 10 years from now, what do you think has happened? Well, you know, I think that predicting the future for this building has been a hazardous enterprise, especially for the people (laughs) that are working on it. But I would say that if the fix can can be done safely without too much additional tilt, uh, the hope is that they will stop it and that maybe it'll start uh, reversing itself. How much reversal they'll get, I don't know. But I think that that would be the most optimistic scenario that they would be able to stop it at the level that uh, basically you know, yeah, before that it is right now. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, Jackson. 40. 
Yeah. Van Derbiken, public safety investigative reporter at NBC Bay Area Forums, produced by Ariana Prail, Blanca Torres, Susan Britton, Dan Zoll and Grace Wan. Caroline Smith is our engagement producer. Judy Campbell is lead producer for the 9 o'clock hour. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, Brendan Willard, and Chris Hoff. Our interns are Jennifer Ng and Paul C. Kelly Campos. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour ahead. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.